everyone. Welcome back to the second half of our shortest episode ever. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, we're recording this literally moments after the first because I thought, oh, it's just set up. It's just build up. We won't record that long. Plot twist. Incorrect. <laughs> um, so, hi, my name is Megan and I should be cleaning. My name is Emily, and I should probably be packing to get ready to go back home. But instead, instead, we're making a podcast. Yeah, so Emily's here visiting me in California. We are rushing through as much reading as we can so that we can live read for our Discord the juicy bits <laughs> of the end of Words of Radiance. So if you're not a member of our Discord, Actually, probably too bad by the time this <laughs> But we'll figure something out soon where we can get a, a Patreon and regular people, maybe for Oathbringer. That should be our goal for That's Oathbringer. That's a good goal. Today, we are definitely covering Chapter 82 for Glory Lit and Chapter 83, Time's Illusion. We only get through one chapter in like two hours. Can you imagine? Don't aim for that. Okay. So nothing really happens. Next chapter. <laughs> Hopefully this one will be a little shorter. So anyway, things are are just about to kick off. Ooh. Well, I mean, they would if Kaladin had working leg. <laughs> but Emily, can you start me off with the epigraph for 82? Mm-hmm. There is one you will watch. Though all of them have some relevance to precognition, Molak is one of the most powerful in this regard. His touch seeps into a soul as it breaks apart from the body creating manifestations powered by the spark of death itself. But no, this is a distraction, deviation, kingship. We must discuss the nature of kingship. From the diagram, book of the second desk drawer, paragraph 15. Hey, Emily. Ooh. You've heard Moloch before. Yeah. What is that? Teravangi had mentioned that it, it he, um, I can't remember exactly how he described the Moloch, but it was moving on, and that's why there are less and less death rattles. So I don't know if he is going to instruct people to follow where they think it's going. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a if this is a a local spirit or like to Roshar, yeah. local to Roshar, or if this is another like world walker thing that has come in, mm-hmm. if the diagram like even knows of stuff outside the Cosmere. Uh-huh. I don't know. I will let you know. Moloch is one of the unmade. This this connects oh, to the previous okay. some of the previous epigraphs we've been reading. The Ten Fools, maybe maybe Moloch is one. Oh, sorry. Just they mentioned fools several times, and the queen mm-hmm. got compared to all of them, and yeah. So Moloch is one of the unmade. Okay, and it says all of them have some relevance to precognition. Emily, what is precognition? It's a preternatural ability. Your favorite word to do what? <laughs> To know what's coming. The future. Telling the future. <gasps> Am I one of the unmade? <laughs> Telling the future is of the... Voidbringers. We hear that all the time. All the time. Oh. <gasps> Crazy. <laughs> okay. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Who was writing on Dalinar's wall? Dalinar was. Okay. At least okay, that's good. what... They, so they talked about they it. They did talk All about right. that, yeah. Um, but we don't know if he was influenced by any of the unmade. Yeah, because how could he tell what was coming in a thousand days? Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh, anyway, Kaladin is... Do you think his umbrella is still on his oh, crutch no, at this point? Because 
I would love to cut to him with his little tarp over him. Uh, he is going the full hour up to the palace. The full hour. The full hour. <laughs> and I love this because through the whole book, it's just been kind of like side mentioned, but everyone keeps talking about how far it is from the barracks to the palace. Mm-hmm. And now Kaladin has to rush. Run. Mm-hmm. And at the very, very beginning of the book, when we first had the writings inside Dalinar's chamber, Kaladin got there before anyone because he had Stormlight. And Moesh is like, well, that's not fair. <laughs> and, um, hey, it seems like my how the turntables. <laughs> oh, how would he get Elokar away? Moash would be watching. The assassination could happen any day. Mm-hmm. And, oh. Kaladin is like, you idiot, you change your mind now <laughs> after all of this? But uh, apparently it's because he's gotten to know Elokar. That's why you don't get to know people and you stay an introvert your whole life. This is why you just kill hundreds of people at a banquet <laughs> that you don't care about. But Emily, Kaladin's having a hard time. Uh, well, he, because, yeah, you're saying the king tried. He actually tried. The man was arrogant, perhaps incapable, but he tried. Like, if that's, like, the low bar, it took Kaladin a long time to get there. <laughs> it did. And and that was the that was the thing is when he was agreeing that this was the right decision to do, he's like, well, he's not going to change. He's, he's. It's immovable. The it's just. The fastest yeah. way, the best way. And so. Um, I would submit that this scene is Kaladin finally going against what everyone in the book has been saying the whole time. Mm-hmm. That the fastest way to evoke meaningful change is to kill the people who are wrong. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And he's like, shouldn't this be easier? Now that I've made my decision, shouldn't this, like, going be nicer? And it's just not for him. It's not really. And it just reminds me of... If that's all it takes is just to try the the difference between Kaladin and the Justice guy, where, like, yeah. with the cobbler, like, the cobbler tried his, his whole, whole life. life. Mm-hmm. Oh. Del- Elokar's tried for five minutes. Okay, I love that connection, though. <laughs> that's so good that he killed a man on accident 30 years ago, and he's been trying to undo it ever since, but strict justice declares a life for a life mm-hmm. Ooh, what would the what would the justice guy think about these chapters oh i don't know i think he'd be because he's about laws of the land right yeah and you shouldn't you shouldn't regicide regicide is against the law yeah and so i think he would be on kaladin's side here actually funnily enough where is he where is he justice guy help me out i invoke <laughs> you name of justice guy oh hey I'm spotting a, a herald in the, in the, the herald drawings. <laughs> That's where they are. Who's the dude with the hood? Nalen. No. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> also justice. known as Justice. <laughs> There's so much going on right now. <sighs> okay. Uh, and then also to Chanarach, who's about being obedient, so... Mm-hmm. Spoilers, that's who the heralds are in this chapter. <laughs> anyway, as Kaladin's going up, he split... The, he split the sutures on his leg. Yeah, it's bleeding. His boot's squishy again. Uh, and there's a couple guards at the door mm-hmm. that he doesn't recognize. Yeah, he doesn't recognize the guards. And he um, realizes they have they weren't even members of the king's old guard. Or the king the old king's guard, so... 
I want to call out the description of one of these guards. The fellow had a chin so cleft, it looked like he'd taken an axe to the face as a baby. <laughs> no one has a swell cleft in his chin like Gaston. <laughs> and Kaladin's still trying to play it cool. But, sir, you are probably pale as a ghost. You are trailing blood everywhere and probably breathing super heavily like, Hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> Is that... Is Moash here? It's not important, just... Where did I go to? <laughs> oh, They're like, uh, no. <laughs> Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. <laughs> but if he were, he's sleeping. <laughs> so Moash is taking a little nippy nap. Because yep. it's a big day. It's a big day. So, be, Okay. I know we know that the king will be assassinated. Have they stated how? Like, is Moash resting up to deliver the final blow sort of a thing? Yeah. So he told Kaladin the plan mm-hmm. that they're going to say the assassin in white is coming. Mm-hmm. And they're going to send everybody to their rooms. Mm-hmm. And then coming to the defense of the king, they're going to kill the king with sharp blades. Right. And say the assassin did it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, Moash has a sharp blade. Yes, he does. Uh, and they don't have CSI here. Don't they can't crime scene? Yeah, yeah. The king all they, scene. All they have is was it Lopin or was it Teft who just like one hundred percent guessed? Yes. Anyway, so TSI uh, Teft scene investigation. Where is Teft? We haven't seen him in a dog's age. I thought he was with the everybody at the Shattered Plains. Maybe. Okay. Uh So. Kaladin at a complete disadvantage. Okay, okay. I'm here to recommend a video essay for you guys. It's a little off topic. Uh, it's called Every Frame a Painting. Mm-hmm. And it's by uh, Tony and Taylor. Uh, they write it together and then Tony records it. And they talk about different film editing tips and techniques. One of their stories about how Jackie Chan films comedy in his fight scenes, talks about how Jackie always starts at a disadvantage and then fights his way, mm. you know, against more and more dangerous people his way through the movie. And I was really thinking about that as Kaladin, wounded, no weapon, has to take out these two guys. Mm-hmm. And so, Emily, what does he do? Well, he leans in like he's going to tell him a secret. <laughs> Want to know a secret? <laughs> Promise not to tell? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit yep so i love this i love this action so Mm -hmm. he wait did he bring a spear did kaladin bring a crutch and yes he's got a crutch under one arm and he's carrying his spear in the other hand (laughs) so imagine him like mountain climbing with it oh that's hard that's rough anyway He's, he, he's dual wielding. He smacks with his crutch and his spear. And I think the only reason this works is he does have the element of surprise. Like, uh-huh. they were not expecting someone who, one, is supposed to be on their side, two, is gravely injured. And so he does have the element of surprise, but it costs him. It's His health bar is way down low. Yeah, his stamina bar is just like... Uh, Emily, have you played The Last of Us? No. There's a scene much later on in The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Where the main character gets grievously injured in a cutscene. Okay. So this isn't like part of your fight. He gets grievously injured and then you have to try and flee the building 
and you're injured too badly for your health kits to help. Mm. And one of the ways that they did this scene, which is so great, is your controller will stop responding every once in a while. I hate that. Or you'll like push forward and he'll like veer to the side and you have to overcompensate. And it's like, uh, I, I like it. You know, I would hate it if this happened every time oh, yeah. the main character got wounded. But I love breaking the conventions of the game for temporary storytelling purposes. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my favorite things about my first playthrough <laughs> of the game. Uh, and so that's Kaladin as he does like, fight, fight, fight. And then the two dudes fall over and there's like a beat. And then Kaladin slams against the door. It's <laughs> like, ah, ah. And he's like, well, no going back now. <laughs> well, it's interesting too because he's still kind of like, I'm not sure why I'm doing this. Except he knows that the thought of anyone dying, like, unnecessarily, like Tien, just Uh that never again sort of a thing. Like, as God is my witness sort of a thing. Yeah. But Uh he... He breaks in there, and the Alucard's already dead. It's dead. It's too late. (laughs) The end. (laughs) And the book just ends there. Can't believe it. No, I, I was pretty sure this was a fake out, because that happened before of just, like... There's been an assassination attempt. And Kaladin like runs the whole way. And it's like, the king was fine. And I'm like, blah. Yeah. And so this is, we'll find out. Same lines. Uh, I want to talk about the amazing visuals back out on the plains. Okay. Adolin is fighting in the rain. Mm -hmm. The rain is being lit by red lightning. Maintaining perfect wind stance. Perfect wind stance. (laughs) So we've got Adolin and his awesome plate. Mm -hmm. He's got perfect wind stance. And the sword's point spraying water as he shears through the neck of a Parshendi. And I'm I'm just picturing the slow-mo of this shot with, like, the blood from the Parshendi shooting down the blade and, like, mixing with the water as it goes but like the water spraying towards the camera mm-hmm. and then real time cuts back in as the water and blood go splatter across the camera lens. Ooh. I don't like have you time thought for about this. this. <laughs> Never visualized it even <laughs> once. So there's storm and winds, but Navani has sent Fabrials, light Fabrials mm-hmm. to light everything up Mm -hmm. and the way it's like in an extraordinarily even white light Mm -hmm. uh this reminds me of the big globes that are used for filming when you want to like basically film a night scene yeah so there's like cinematic lighting (laughs) written into this series because i do not believe in filming in the dark (laughs) (laughs) oh it's gonna be so cool it's gonna be so cool okay (laughs) You know that shot that I just described? No. Picture it all again, <laughs> but backlit. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe I'll paint it. Marie, teach me how to paint better. Ugh. <laughs> I can't wait till you're all caught up, and I can just send you Marie's Instagram. I'm and so you can excited to everything. That's Marie. That's the only reason I haven't followed you is because of, I don't want spoilers. But just know the second, the second I finish this, I'm following you. Uh. Anyway, Scar and Drahi. Oh, wait, wait, wait. oh. Uh, the Parshendi yeah. have figured out a way. Because Adolin is dangerous. I I love Adolin. You know this. I He could have just been the son of the Blackthorn who just got on solely on his father's name. <laughs> like Elokar did. Like Elokar did. But instead you have 
someone who is the best at what he does. He's the best dueler Alethkar has ever seen. Mm-hmm. He's fully capable. He understands military precisions. Like, he knows everything. And he's so dangerous that the Parshendi have to get creative on how to take him down, which is them basically lassoing him and, like, you know, yanking him off off balance mm-hmm. or whatever, like, rope around his neck. Like, they're not going to get close enough to do anything Good for them. They're very smart, but why? <laughs> yeah. So I also love Adolin <laughs> so much. And who comes to join him on the field? It's Scar mm-hmm. and Drahi, which I recognize Drahi's name. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. And uh, look at look at look at these bridgemen. Remember how in book one. Amram's honor guard deserted him. Mm-hmm. Bridge four would never. Never. Bridge four would never. Mm-hmm. But, and the thing is, um, they are, they are, have not been trained in military strategy, but they are very intelligent and they're quick to pick mm-hmm. it up because Adolin's pointing out things and they're pointing out things and it's just. Here we find out Adolin does not know how to swim. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh Treading water, I have no idea what that means. Swimming term, sir. We're fighting back and forth, but we're not making any headway. Uh, Peril is another dude. I don't know who Perel is. Peril, listeners, write in, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a big storm coat. Maybe he stole it back from Shalot. <laughs> um, but there is a big rock formation at the middle of the plateau, singing, singing, singing. And Adolin is like, well, we can't take a group of men up there. But uh, they're like, we can't climb it. And uh, you could, but you don't want to go alone, do you? <laughs> and Adolin is waiting for his impulsivity to kick in. And because he'd been training to resist this urge. Mm-hmm. The thrill. Yeah, because they mentioned that a couple times about how, I mean, Adolin specifically later on, and we'll we'll get to that. But yeah, he he was surprised to find it gone. Nothing. He frowned. He was tired. Was that the reason? Like, I mean, he should want to be able to end this fight at all costs. But yeah. there's no driving force behind this. There's no thrill. Mm-hmm. Hey, where where'd the thrill go? I don't know. Maybe it's being blocked by the Parshendi singing. Well, that's a thrill problem. <laughs> uh, so. Adolin's going to get a half an hour with a thousand men. Mm-hmm. And he's going to try something. Yep. Well, now Dalinar's hearing voices. Mm-hmm. And it's not the Almighty. No. He's hearing a voice no one else can hear. And he's asking people, can you hear this? And they're like, no. Listen, if Dalinar didn't have visions before this and, like, he just started yelling about voices, like, I feel this scene would turn out very differently of people being like, okay, you know. and But they mm-hmm. know that he's there specifically because of the visions that he's been receiving. So, hey, Emily, um, I'm going to have you read the whole paragraph <laughs> okay. when this voice explains who he is. Okay, so Dalinar's asked, who are you? I am the one left behind, the voice said. It wasn't exactly as he'd heard it in the visions. This voice had a depth to it, a density. I am the sliver of him that remains. I saw his corpse, saw him die when Odium murdered him, and I, I fled. To continue as I always have, the peace of God left in this world, the winds that men must feel. Okay, Megan. Uh-huh. 
still says she's a piece of a god. Uh-huh. A very tiny one. Very tiny one. So if this god has truly died, uh-huh. it seems like uh-huh. this voice uh-huh. is that little piece of the god. Maybe a slightly bigger piece than Maybe Syl was, yet. but... <laughs> My guess is this is a spren. Oh, no, Taco, those are spoilers. Uh, she <laughs> she has to rafo. So I think this is a spren that is, um, that is talking to Delinar. And it's either the Stormfather, the face from the storm that's like 18 football fields big, or it's one of the giant things that we're walking in the rain that Shalon and Kaladin saw. Oh, that's cool. That Those are cool guesses. Oh, I, I'm assuming it's a sprint. I just don't know what kind. But it's clearly a very powerful one. And it would be hilarious if Delinar's like, I failed at uniting them. And then he becomes one of them. Ooh. So Delinar's trying to figure out if he's having a vision right now. Mm-hmm. That am I you know, in the palace, on the floor, mm-hmm. and just have imagined all of this. Yes, yes. But, no, he thought forcefully, I will not travel down that path. He'd always recognized when it was a vision before. He had no reason to believe that had changed. It's like when people are like, oh, the ending of Greece, Sandy has died. And the ending, have you never heard that theory? No. Because the, the, the ending is such a, a different, like, uh, flavor i guess and so there's one of the the internet rumors that just like oh it's because sandy has died and this is her imagination and she's going up to heaven in grease lightning like weird stuff like that and so i'm glad brandon put this in here about like it's just sexism you guys (laughs) (laughs) it's not a secret Uh, this is this is sexism the simplest explanation is they wanted to put her in a skimpy leather outfit Tell me that it's dead. Oh, uh, I was in Grace Jr. I do remember that. I came to see you. You were wonderful. I did not like that. Oh, I'm sorry. I wanted to sing and dance, and I got cast as the only role that did not sing or dance. Oh. But we find out that Bright Lord Taleb has fallen. Whoops. Um, High Prince Royon, it says, has been routed. I don't know what that is as a military term. Oh, uh, it just means that he's been cut off. Okay. Um, Captain Cal is up and fighting. Like, they're they're listing off all these people. I'm like, am I supposed to know every single one of uh, them? Taleb is the old blood shark Old blood, bearer. I do know he's, that one. He's down. He's out. Yeah, but like, Captain Cal, K-H-A-L. We've got Yav- Yavi, J-A-V-I-H. How would you say it? <laughs> it? It made me think of Marvy. Like, the way you're like, Yavi. <laughs> Damn you guys! <laughs> My name is Barbara. Your, Your name, name is Taco. <laughs> Say that's my name. Say my name, fool, and I magic missile him. Anyway, things are getting dire. Yep, as they do in a battle. And like they're trying to pull men where they don't have them. They are just spread so thin. Yeah. Uh. Like across the chasm to his left, men died with shouts and screams. He saw firsthand how terribly Royan's battle was progressing. Like, Ugh. he uh, just takes a woman's horse. He's like, this is my horse now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's not, he doesn't have shard plate. He does have a shard blade, but he doesn't mm-hmm. have shard plate. Yeah. Um, and so he is 
rushing, you know, around himself and he goes to where the Fabriel people are. He makes it to Navani. Mm-hmm. And this is where he points out the battle at the tower was only two months ago. Yeah. It's not been that not long that at long. all. It's so funny because, like, we've read, we've taken almost a year to read this book. And so I'm trying to, like, squish the timeline back down. And he says, Navani, I need a miracle. Hey, Emily, what's Navani's miracle? Well, she says she's working on it. And he says, nope. <laughs> Give it all she's got, Captain. <laughs> Um, they are, they've created, from what I understand, they've created a, uh, shelter so that they're, because it's raining so hard, archers are useless, but they have brought archers anyway, and they have created these tarps that will keep them dry out of the rain, and so they can start, the archers can start shooting the Parshendi. It's not perfect because once the arrows come out from under the tarp, it's still difficult, but... Yeah. It's a bigger advantage than they had before. So they've got Fabriels. It's what we've seen her experimenting with at the beginning. Mm -hmm. What goes up must come down. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And she just has giant float. Like, I'm so excited to see this battle sequence. Because, you know, the the fights we've seen in the past are cool. Mm -hmm. But now there's like, magic is a part of this battle. Mm -hmm. In a cool way I haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. Okay. On film. On film. So... It's the middle of the battle. We don't have time to explain everything. And Navani's obviously been working on this for a while and she understands things. But um, Navani entered carrying a large sack over her shoulder. She opened it to reveal a large glowing garnet suspended within a delicate wire lacework fabriel. Um, She says, we really should have had more time to test this. Attractors are new inventions. I'm still half afraid this thing will suck the blood out of anyone who touches it. So I'm wondering if attractors... Are literally attracting spren, literally attracting physics. <laughs> I think this one is set. Okay, remember her pain reel? Yes. Where it was set specifically to block pain. Mm-hmm. This attractor is specifically set to attract water. Oh, got it, got it, got it. And so it's pulling moisture out of the air. So not only are we sheltered from the worst of the rain, but the humidity as well mm. that will also assist the the archers. That's why. Okay. Instead, water quickly started to pool around the thing. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. And then we may have, she's like, I don't know how long the stormlight's going to last. And they have limited stormlight because it's the weeping. It's the weeping. Yeah. And then he hugs Navani. And then he calls out for his horse. Yep. Because sure, blood's down, but Gallant is still going through it. Anyway, Kaladin runs up to the king and is like, oh no, I'm too late. He's fine. He's just drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'm not going to lecture Elokar about drinking. And like Kaladin said several times, like he totally gets why he would do it, like, why Elokar would do it now out of the watchful eye of Dalinar. But, like, dude, you're still king. They all... Okay, I know I said I would retire the Elokar <laughs> voice, but this is just too funny. They all... Talk about me. <laughs> My own God. Everyone... Bad king, they say. Everyone hates him, they say. <laughs> Oh, 
Okay, I'll, I'll pull it out for special occasions. <laughs> Come on, Kaladin said. Assassins are coming for you. We're getting out of here. Assassins! <laughs> it was white. I knew he'd come, but then he only cared about Dalinar. <laughs> Not even the Assassins probably want you, Richmond. You're more allegiant than I am. I wish you to teach me. Some Cassandra. I know. I'm scared. <laughs> oh, wowie. I, I think Brandon's done a really good job here, stacking the deck against both of them. I mean, here's Kaladin. Clearly so injured, he's recovered for several weeks and it hasn't done enough. And then you've got Elokar, who's just intoxicated. And they're supposed to fight capable, shard-plated and bladed people. Like, again, this is... It's not just like the Chasm Fiend, but it's to the point of just like, this is an impossible fight. Yeah, and it gets worse. It gets worse. Because Kaladin... Only knocked his opponents out, and one of them, not very much. Uh, and I love that um, Cleft Chin is capitalized now, like it's a proper name. Yes. The Kaladin's just like dubbed him, and uh, he lunges at Kaladin, like he lunges at Kaladin, one-handed. Kaladin gets his spear back up, and he stabs the dude, kills him. Mm-hmm. But he has stabbed a knife into the king's side. He got lightly stabbed. I'm dead. <laughs> like, it's like, he's been so worried about assassinations. Uh-huh. And and then he's like, no one wants to assassinate me. And then when someone actually tries, he's like, shocked. I'm dead. <laughs> uh, I love that you said lightly stabbed, because that's a quote from the Magnus Archive. Is it? You didn't even tell me you got stabbed. Lightly stabbed. I didn't want to worry you. <laughs> You need to go to the hospital. I'm sorry. Is this our stab wound? No. Mind your business. Uh, But the nice thing is, again, Brandon. The knife had just glanced off his ribs. Brandon, you make me so mad. In the best way possible. Do you listen to our podcast? You definitely do. Right in. Right in. Tell us. (laughs) I'm sorry. He makes you so mad? Makes me so mad because, like, he puts all these characters in the exact, I mean, this is done on purpose, obviously. It's just very well done. Puts all these characters in a scene where we get to see their strengths. Because Kaladin is, for all intents and purposes, could have been a surgeon. And so he's able to tell what's going on with his leg. Tell when he's like, you know, becoming... I'm in shock or whatever and I'm I'm thinking very analytically. And he's able to see like, oh, the stab wound isn't that bad. It's just nice. And something else that is really nice is the difference between the final confrontation in both of these. Mm -hmm. Like... Bless their hearts, and I love it, but the difference, like, the two towers ends in a huge battle, mm-hmm. and Return of the King ends in a huge battle, mm-hmm. and the filmmakers talk about, like, how difficult it was to separate those two from each other, mm-hmm. when, like, it's the same kind of enemy most of the time, yeah. and it's the same sort of terrain, rocks and fortresses, cities, things like that, mm-hmm. and that they really came up with a lot of, I think, I don't want to use the word gimmicks, but, you know, we've got the... The big wolf head battering ram, <laughs> battering ram in the second one, and slightly different orcs and things. But um, 
the way the climax of the second book differs from the first Mm -hmm. in what the protagonists are trying to accomplish, Mm -hmm. it's not just defeat a whole army so we don't die. Yeah. I mean, it technically is. Technically is. But, you know, we've got all the, the magic stuff and the different constrictions on the army this time around. And we have Kaladin, who at the end of book one, uh was had completely different goals and everything like he's trying to protect all of bridge four at the end of book one mm-hmm. and now he's just trying to protect one king and it's king he doesn't even like <laughs> and he's at a huge disadvantage because mm-hmm. he doesn't have his storm light doesn't have storm light and elokar's like we're both dead mm-hmm. and kaladin says fleet kept running yes that's the story that wit told him yes mm-hmm. well technically um, actually, okay, it's the story that Kaladin told Wit. Oh. Because Wit was like, what happened next? Oh, that's right. And Emily, how did that story end? I don't remember. I remember where they gave him the flute Fleet. for Sigzil. Fleet died. Oh. He kept running. Oh, this, sorry. Given the flute was at the end of book one. Okay. Book two is when Wit comes to visit Kaladin in prison. Oh. And Kaladin is just angry and doesn't want to tell a story and so he keeps saying like well they caught him oh he couldn't make it yeah oh, he died mm-hmm. and he's being like all pessimistic and stuff and wit took each of those pessimistic statements and wove them into the story mm-hmm. and so fleet kept running he couldn't win but he kept running and when the storm caught him it didn't matter that he died because he'd run for all he had mm-hmm. sure all right. <laughs> um, yeah, because the end of book one, where Kaladin is like leaping across the chasm, sucking the stormlight out of the, the you know, Parshendi beards, and you just know he is there to save the day and anything is possible. Again, kind of what you said, contrast this, he's at such a disadvantage he is the protagonist, but I don't understand. I don't see how he's going to save the day. Mm-hmm. We all die in the end, you see, Kaladin said. Fast forward. So I guess what truly matters is how well you have run. And Elokar, you've kept running since your father was killed, even if you screw up all the storming time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, shouldn't you hate me? I don't like you, Elokar, Kaladin said, but that doesn't mean it's right to let you die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do the right thing, do the right thing. Well, uh, no one's in the hallways. Mm-hmm. Uh, the palace is totally empty mm-hmm. because that's that's the plan. Yeah. And uh, also, Elokar passes out. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> You mess up all the storming time, obviously. Yeah, so uh, Kaladin, you know, checks his pulse to make sure, but it's the wine and the blood loss, and Kaladin's trying to surge in him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh-oh. The assassins come. Uh-oh. The assassins are here. Kaladin, what are you doing? Moash's voice demanded from behind. He's now up against two full shard bearers. Mm-hmm. And he has no stormlight. No. Because you think about the duel in the dueling ring. Uh-huh. And I was thinking about that. <laughs> and just, again, random 
I'm very angry about these books. I'm angry about how good they are, and it makes me angry that I can't write books like this. Again, Kaladin is a lightning rod for sharpers. <laughs> uh, and we are going to... Oh, no. We have one more chapter to read? No. Mm -hmm. That was... Yeah. Okay. But no, yes. here, no, we've, yes. Got, here no, yes. we've got a little picture of the battlefield. Mm -hmm. um, so here's Navani here mm -hmm. with the command tense. Mm -hmm. Here's Adolin going up this... Uh, this thing back here, these shaded and arrowed areas are the main Parshendi forces. So we we have the humans are broken. Sorry, the humans are hedged in on three sides by Parshendi forces. Mm -hmm. So Navani and Royan are up against this main force on this plateau. Mm -hmm. um, the command tents are here. Sabariel is not engaging. <laughs> uh, and then at the bottom right corner, we see High Prince Aladar is split his forces to get this small bit of listeners over here and Shalon is trying to get to this round plateau because right that there. round plateau does not fit the pattern got it so there you go now can you can you visualize i can visualize it now nice. thank you and now narak that part there mm -hmm. this is the parshendi's home territory okay. in this area that's their town okay that we've well when we saw an eshenized flashback so mm -hmm. we've literally made it all the way to the listener's home city mm-hmm Narak, which means exile, for it is where the listeners fled to escape their gods. Ooh. I know we read that a year ago, but there we go. <laughs> there we go. It's All right. Relevant. 83 times illusion. All right. Read me an epigraph. Obviously, they are fools. The desolation needs no usher. It can and, it can and will sit where it wishes, and the signs are obvious that the spren anticipate it doing so soon. Anticipate it doing so soon. The Ancient of Stones must finally begin to crack. It is a wonder that upon his will rested the prosperity and peace of a world for over four millennia. From the diagram, book of the second ceiling rotation, pattern one. Um, I know what this means. And I feel like you know what this means. So I'm going to help you, you out. Believe in me so hard. I do. And sometimes that worries me. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to translate it for you. Okay. Okay, remember the Heralds? No, the Heralds. Yes, okay. I do. I, I honestly, <laughs> I was like, I'm sure she's kidding. She must have that air of confusion because she's like, what do the Heralds have to do with this? <laughs> I do, I was, I do, I do. What's the Oath Pact? Uh, to kill the Parshendi. No. That's the Vengeance Pact. Okay. The Oath Pact is what the Heralds were oh, doing. when they would leave people behind in hell and or start the cycle over and over and over again. When all the Heralds die, mm -hmm. they go to this terrible Place. dimension. Mm -hmm. And when they break, when they come back, when the Heralds come back, that's mm -hmm. when the desolation starts. Okay. So remember, you were like, oh, when Tom comes back... Mm -hmm. That must, like, when they were talking about the desolation kicking off in book one, you mm -hmm. guessed, oh, it must mean that Talon is coming back. Mm -hmm. That Talon has broken. Yeah. I'm going to tell you that, okay, so we've learned the name of all ten radiants. Mm -hmm. Rephrase. You've heard the names of all <laughs> ten types of radiants. Talon was the head of the stone wards. Okay. So I'm going to tell you that the Ancient of Stones is a reference to Talon. Okay. And so in his deductions, because remember, the diagram doesn't tell the future, but the diagram is absolutely genius deduction work. Mm -hmm. So 
the desolation is starting. The signs are obvious that the spren can see this coming. Mm-hmm. And so Taravangian figures that means the Ancient of Stones must finally begin to crack. Because Tom's been in hell for millennia. Mm-hmm. It is a wonder that upon his will rested the prosperity and peace of the world for over four millennia. So that's been that's how long it's been since the last desolation because yeah. he lasted that long? He lasted that long wow. before he came back. So Taravangian believes that Tom has given up the Oath Pact and that's why the desolation is restarted. Okay. I'm going to make a conjecture. Okay. I hope Tom is still the good guy. I know I wanted him to be the bad guy. Oh, oh um... All of the heralds have broken in hell before. Mm-hmm. That's That's been the point. Oh, Every okay. time one of them is like, I can't get tortured anymore. Mm-hmm. That starts a desolation. Got it. So, like, let's imagine at the end of a fight, only five heralds were sent to hell. Mm-hmm. And it only takes one of them to break before the desolation start again. Okay. And if all ten of them are sent to hell, and as soon as one of them breaks, they all get resurrected and start the, the thing again. Got it. So, if... If... Tom was not the only herald down there, and someone else broke. Tom would still have gotten resurrected. Gotten okay, but I mean, all the heralds survived in the in the prologue. So unless another herald died again, Tom's breaking is what brought them all back. Okay, here we go. Shalon is on the Circle Plateau. There is some great explanation about this because this. I mean, they've worked so hard to find this oath gate, like mm-hmm. so hard, and it's been difficult to find. And uh, uh, in Inadara says she's just because the circle is just out there, like mm-hmm. it's just exposed. And she, and in, Inadara is just saying, "I can't believe something this important would be out." And Shalon is able to extrapolate that. This was a symbol. Like, pe- they wanted people to see this. This was, mm-hmm. you know, and she's giving him a little, you know, behind-the-scene history lesson sort of a thing. Uh, Renarin doesn't have his helmet on. Right. There's something else he's also not he wearing. He doesn't have his glasses doesn't have his glasses. And Shalon has noticed that about him, that he's mm-hmm. been wearing them less and less. And someone else mentioned it earlier in the books. Is it Kaladin? It was either Kaladin or Adolin. Okay. Um, they're like, okay, he's tr- he's trying to appear stronger mm-hmm. and the glasses are a sign of weakness so that must be why they're why yeah. they're off but emily as you're reading this you're like i don't think so yeah what did you think i think i can't remember exactly what i said but yeah that that weirded me out i don't think he needs them anymore mm-hmm. i think listen i hate being wrong and i'm gonna be wrong about a lot of things i think either okay one of my guesses was he knew about the old magic. I think he went to go visit the night watcher. Watcher. And whatever he got in return, the epileptic episodes were his trade-off. But I wonder if having Nope, sorry. So many things going through my head. I think maybe he might have bonded with this friend and it has healed him, quote unquote. He was able to use Stormlight to heal his eyes or whatever. He got okay. Magic LASIK. Love that for him. <laughs> uh, how long do you think he would have had this spread? Do you think we've seen... Sorry, do you think he's bonded it in the time we've known him? Or is this something you think that would have happened before? I think it's been... Okay, conjecture time. 
I think it's been fairly recent mm -hmm. to the point that either it happened right before, I think it would have happened right before Amaram showed up and got the cloak and everything and Renarin is just like, well, I've missed my chance or either I'm so excited I'm going to be a part of this that my dad is putting together and I'll finally get to prove like I'm worthy to be. I mean, we haven't really seen anything from Renarin's point of view, but we have seen how he's kind of been shuffled off to the side and mm -hmm. this is kind of his first big excursion and as much as Delinar is trying, when you try to not exclude someone, I think he's ended up being excluded yeah. even harder. Renarin's been very in the margins in this book. Mm -hmm. Even more so than he was in the first. Yeah. We've seen him at the edges of many scenes. He's yes. He's been part of Bridge Four. Mm -hmm. He's been part of the group guarding the king. But he really hasn't drawn attention to himself. Like the, His biggest moment was during the duel. Mm -hmm. And even though we switched points of view a lot during the duel, we never saw from his POV at all. No, no, we didn't. So. Yeah, something's going on with him. Just like something was going on with Dalinar. And mm -hmm. now we understand that we're in his head. So. I miss... Or I, maybe he's not magic and he's really just squinting in the <laughs> rain because, y'all, I'm a creature of vanity and sometimes I just don't wear my glasses. I don't have contacts. I will just go places and not wear my glasses and be like, this is the price I pay. <laughs> Because my cutest pair of glasses are missing. And so You're not heart-shaped ones. They are not heart-shaped. They were not heart-shaped. <laughs> and they were never heart-shaped. Stop uh, Mandela effect <laughs> remembering my glasses. <laughs> Pattern is a little nervous mm -hmm. because he realizes that the, uh, the bonded ones are crafting a storm. Yeah. And here's the thing. Renarin is looking out over the plains. Mm -hmm. And he says, the wrong way. The wind is blowing from the wrong way. It's terrible. And Shalon looks where he's looking and can't see anything. Mm -hmm. So really, Renarin needs his glasses. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, kid <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but Renarin says it's actually real, the Everstorm. And here's the thing. he We've got, we've got Adolin. We've got perfect, wonderful Adolin, who's, you know, the apple of his father's eye who's kind of the darling of the court that sort of thing mm -hmm. and those aren't Renarin's strengths and he has always come across me as more scholarly mm -hmm. and so that's why it's confused me why he and Shalon don't get along more yeah because he he studied this he knows what it is yeah and instead of because he's worried about this and he's like oh I should be back with my dad because he understands the implications of whatever is coming and Shalon just goes, oh, he's creepy and whiny. This is the worst. And I'm like, Shalon. Listen, I know you spent a lot of time with perfect golden retriever Adolin. Wonderful Adolin. So Shalon is a dog person. <laughs> and Renarin is more like a cat. Yes, yes. Um, so it's what I was saying before of like, she just, he just sets her teeth on edge. Mm -hmm. And I don't, listen, I do not like Shalon in these scenes mm -hmm. but she's trying again she's being intelligent but not kind mm -hmm. and she I'm sure is terrified but she's just locking it all down mm -hmm. and she's just well Dalinar told her that she was his only contingency plan yeah. so this all rests on her and Yasna's predictions so I'm having a thought here Barbosa all right Remember how you listened to me talk about the Magnus Archives for an hour yesterday I about do. the difference between logical choices and emotional choices? Mm -hmm. And recreate it right now. 
Okay. <laughs> Short answer. A bunch of supernatural, terrible crap is happening to everyone in the Magnus Archives in Season 4. Mm-hmm. And you have some characters who are making surface-level logical choices only. And since the bad things feed on their fear, you've got people who don't feel fear at all and people who are completely locking their fear away. And they're making all of their decisions based only on surface-level logic. Mm-hmm. And there is a right answer and a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... By the end of the season, it is the characters who act on their fear, their fear of losing someone, their fear of being wrong. It's the people who are the most emotional mm-hmm. that win out at the end of the season. Yeah. And, I mean, not for long because, <laughs> spoilers, there's a bad cliffhanger. Um, but this has happened here with Shalon that to take in your surroundings and make a logical decision mm-hmm. on surface level facts is easy and it's Teravanchin in the diagram Mm -hmm. nothing but genius surface level deduction Mm -hmm. but the emotional component of what Kaladin's doing with Elokar that's the difficult part of it and you cannot predict the emotional component unless you also engage with the emotional component and I'm just going to say, Shalon is not using all of her assets in this scene mm-hmm. because of her dismissal of Renarin. Because you just said he's a scholar. He clearly knows more about what's going on, mm-hmm. just surface level. But Shalon, who's locked off all emotion, is just like, well, that's... Oh, I just... I can't believe it. She literally <laughs> said that this plateau is important because it's a deviation. Mm-hmm. And Renarin is also a deviation in this scene. And Shalon is missing this. <laughs> anyway. See, that's, I think that's the beauty of, I'm going to say flawed characters. I think every character should be flawed. Yeah. Reading about perfect people is boring. Reading yeah. about, they're interesting, mm-hmm. but they ultimately are boring because they're easy to, uh, they're easy to predict. They're easy to do all this stuff. And so... I know, the idea of people being like, you can't criticize Shalon because she's a girl or whatever. I'm like, she's still a person who's interesting and interesting people make mistakes. It's like, excuse you, I'm also a girl. I don't (laughs) criticize whoever I want. (laughs) But yeah, no, that's something that I just find fascinating because I think a lot of times uh, writers, new writers, will fall into the trap of my protagonist has to be perfect, they have to be wonderful, everyone has to love them. You know, kind of going along the merry... Mm-hmm. I don't want to say Mary Sue line, but you guys know kind of yeah. what I mean. And it's it's just a deeper, richer story when the protagonist makes mistakes and because you find out how they deal with it, what kind of person they are when they have to either admit a mistake or ignore a mistake. Like, you can make a much richer character mm-hmm. by, I mean, here we can kind of look at this, this paragraph of just like, oh, Shalon, you should talk to... Renarin, but you didn't. Okay, things could have been different. Yeah. So I would posit that Kaladin is going through an emotional fight right now. Yes. And Shalon is going through a achievement fight right now. Mm-hmm. So like Shalon's trying to do a thing and Kaladin's trying to feel a thing. <laughs> um, but bringing up what you said about how interesting he is to read a flawed character, I'd like to bring up Sanderson's second law of magic. Okay. Which I would like to equate 
to character development as well. Mm-hmm. And do you remember any of the laws of Sanderson's laws of magic? The audience needs to understand it, mm-hmm. and there needs to be like very specific rules about it. Nope. No. That's not the law. Oh, that's not the law. Uh, the second law of magic, which is what we're talking about, is that limitations are more interesting than powers. That's, yeah. Yeah. So, refresher course. Sanderson's first law of magic is that your the writer's ability to solve a conflict with magic is directly proportional to how well the reader understands the magic. Mm-hmm. So that could either be extremely detailed or it could be, you know, more emotionally based. Mm-hmm. But the reader has to understand how it works so it doesn't feel like a deus ex machina. Got it. I'm just like, oh, I didn't know it could do that. Okay. Yep. And second law is limitations are more interesting than powers. Mm-hmm. And then the third law, which a lot of people forget, is expand on what you already have mm-hmm. before you add in something new. Yeah. Which let the people understand it. Yeah. So I'm working with a group of friends on a movie pitch right now. Mm-hmm. And we're basing it off of a pre-existing story. And it's so funny because we'll get, you know, during this adaptation process, we'll get suggestions from members of the team that like, Let's add in this totally new storyline, this really cool new storyline that solves, you know, these problems we have with the script. And I always have to be the person at the table to be like, let's expand on what already exists Mm -hmm. and play with the details we have instead of like adding, (laughs) listen, if you don't like the way someone's hair looks, you dye their hair instead of just adding on another arm Yeah, (laughs) for character design. That has nothing. To, we're not adding arms on anybody. But anyway, yeah. This. So I've been thinking about Sanderson's Laws of Magic and going through his writing classes again while we've been working on this film. And it's made me a lot easier able to elocute and see. Never mind. That was just a garbage sentence. It's made it a lot easier for me to verbalize the writing logistics and the the technique stuff that I yeah. want to do for storytelling. Yeah. Anyway. And a fun callback. Shalon is realizing uh, that this lump on the ground is a creme-covered something important. And mm-hmm. she says, Prince Renarin, would you kindly slay this rock for me? <laughs> Just a callback to having Adolin chop rocks open for her. Yeah. Now, a double, a double genius callback as we cut over to where Adolin and his buddies are. What's Adolin done? They're cutting through the rock. Yeah. They have found a building... They've cut their way in, and they're hiding in it. It's a hollow rock. Yeah, he didn't have time to scoop everything out. Mm -hmm. He passed his way through the dusty chambers, passing bones and dried debris that might once have been furniture. What? And he's trying to extrapolate as well. He may not be, I'm going to say, may not be the brightest bulb in the box when it Uh comes to women or things like that, but he's smart about other things. And so he's... he has to be aware of his surroundings, especially when dueling, especially when being on the battlefield. And so as he's looking around, he's picking up clues. Like, it's just beautiful characterization. Intelligent people underestimate average people. hmm Yep. <laughs> anyway, they're literally exploring a building. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Adolin, they make it to the, the edge of the wall and they're listening and the Parshendi they've been trying to sneak attack are just literally like, on the other side of the right wall. There. And he sneak attacks them by they just explode through the wall like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> and Ooh, yeah. they attack the singing listeners. 
It was it was interesting because going back to Adolin kind of wondering like where's my impulsivity? Where is all of this? He is wondering where the th- thrill is that yeah. propels him through this because as they're fighting the Parshendi, he describes it as if they are suddenly waking up and like like they've almost been sleepwalking and they wake up and realize where they are right before he kills them. He kills them. And it is just a slaughter. They're not fighting back in the way that he or anyone else was expecting. And us as the reader, it is so tragic because we know, or we can guess, that they've all been taken over by this friend that Eshenai has to, like, ignore the screaming inside, which is her true self, I think, trying to come out. And I think that is what has happened with all these other Parshendi. And their entire people have been slaughtered. Like... There are not many of them left. And just every time another one falls, it's just so tragic. It's so tragic what's happening. And Adolin's like, I need the thrill. Because, and he mentions, every time you fight in plate against ordinary men, mm-hmm. it's like this. Yeah. And uh, when he was fighting earlier, he's like, this is what plate and blades were designed for, for fighting void bringers. But now he's like... I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, thank goodness who shows up to help him through this dilemma. His arch nemesis. Eshenai. is here. Well, the funny thing is, is he's met her, but she doesn't realize she's yeah. met him. Yeah. And they were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> so now Adolin gets to fight, fight. And fight for realsies. For realsies. An honest fight. Thank you, he thought. Which is so interesting coming from an Alethi and a dude who is the best duelist ever. Mm-hmm. It's time to do 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 So uh, Dalinar has a spear wound. And so he's going to the triage tent. And <laughs> the surgeon is like, you are entirely made of scars. Yes. What is wrong with you? <laughs> How can you still use this arm? And mm-hmm. he says training and practice but emily you had another theory well the that's not how it works she whispered eyes wide i mean storms the surgeon knows something's up my guess is that he that's been his spren all along and that he has been healing himself using either stormlight or something but that he this i feel is another step on the path mm-hmm. towards check mark delinar is a radiant there's a thing in the diagram that says, look for those who survive when they should not. Mm-hmm. That will be your clue. Yeah. Also, I can't remember what part of the book it was, but I thought we had found out that those in, like those who followed the Radiance also ended up with similar powers. We did hear about that. Squires. Squires. The Windrunners had squires. Okay. So I'm wondering, except the thing is, like if Dalinar's already covered in scars, I feel like it would have been happening much longer than just knowing Kaladin. That is true. But Stormlight doesn't automatically heal everything. Kaladin still has his tattoos. That's true. I mean, nope, he has his scars. <laughs> he couldn't get a tattoo. So. I'm I'm leaning more towards either Dalinar is a Radiant or Dalinar has been around a Radiant and follows one. I'm thinking more he's a Radiant with the voice that he's heard, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Because, yeah. Um, because... Kaladin was doing smaller radiant things before he registered what Sill was. Yeah. And so that's possible. Yeah, it it and it was happening before he was 
into Vlaka's caravan in book one, from what I understand. Sil had been following him for a while. Yeah. 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 And she knew of him before she found him. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so he's like, oh, is Navani going to yell at me for getting hurt? Mm-hmm. But it says she hugs him. Yeah. She's just happy. I'm just happy you're alive. Yeah. You rode to battle when someone needed you, Navani said. You saved the lives of a high prince and his soldiers. Why would you expect anger from me? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Daladar's like, we're losing. Mm-hmm. And Navani's like, okay, now calm down. <laughs> because Adolin has won his plateau. I'm flipping back to the battle map. Mm-hmm. So Adolin has won his plateau. So we, we're surrounded on three sides. Uh, side one is now defeated. Um, Roion has, you know, he's the one that's losing, but Aladar is on, what did she say? Aladar holds, Roion has failed. but So we're still evenly matched. So we've, mm-hmm. we've had a, uh, a win, a failure, and a tie. Mm-hmm. And so we are still, like, we're still in this fight. Yeah. Isn't it great to have a map in a book? Can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, now, uh, and the Dalinar says an even match is a loss. Um, if they complete the song, then as Relaine warned, this is the end. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Roion just runs in yelling. <laughs> it's a bloodbath! We're dead! We're dead! We survived, but we're dead! Uh... Archers are running out of arrows, and a ton of red-eyed listeners are gathering. Mm-hmm. And then, for all that Dalinar wanted to slap Royan, that wasn't the sort of thing you did to a high prince, not even a hysterical <laughs> one. Instead, he pulls him out into the rain. Mm-hmm. Control yourself. Not all is as bad as it will seem. And then... Somebody comes back into the conversation. <laughs> okay, so... Two two points I want to make. The Almighty starts talking to them again. Uh, Dalinar's just like, answer me. Let me know if you can hear me. He's told he can. He says, are you the Almighty? I said I am not child of honor. And this is all written in regular dialogue. dialogue. Text, yeah. And then he says, then what are you? And then the thing talks in all capitalization. Very like um, Discworld death. Yes. I am that which brings light and darkness. Mm -hmm. So, before when he's talking to him, when it's in dialogue tags, Mm -hmm. that is the voice that sounds like what's in Dalinar's visions. Yes. And now the voice has changed to sound more like thunder. Mm -hmm. Thunder! But he is called Child of (laughs) Honor. Thunder! That might be the song of the week. Nice. Even though Time's Illusion is the title of a song. That's okay. He calls Dalinar child of honor. Dalinar asks, are you a herald? He's told no. Are you a spren or a god? Both. I think it's another spren. He is. He's a spren and a god. Yeah. But, okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is a very cool uh-huh. conversation. Uh-huh. Um, so Dalinar is getting a lot of information. This is great. Like, usually it's kind of boring when, like, you're just told the answer to things. But, like, at this point, we have been searching and searching and searching for what's going on for so long that finally we're like, yes, just tell us. Tell me. Um, 
And they said, what is, you know, Delinar asks what is happening. He's told, they call for a storm, my opposite, deadly. Which, how do we stop it? No, what is more deadly than a high storm? A never storm. A never storm that never stops. A higher storm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he's told, you can't stop it, but I will... I will bring you a storm of cleansing. It will carry away your corpses. This is all I can do. And, okay, I'm, I'm kind of just reading word for word, but we'll That's go right. back and talk yeah. about it. Um, he's told, I must go. Uh, I am called. I must go. A daughter disobeys. You will see no further visions, child of honor. This is the end. Farewell. This is the end of all the fighting. This is the end of people dying. So this is my hope that Syl is still around because we know that she obeyed, the, she disobeyed the first time to come here. I'm assuming whatever Kaladin did threw her back into the Spren realm and she has disobeyed a second time to come back. Or another daughter disobeys. Another Spren somewhere. Maybe. Okay. Because there's... One that we don't know about? Maybe. I'm assuming... I want it to be still, though. Okay. <laughs> um, there's one thing where, where okay, so the storm father is like, I'm just going to bring another storm to just clean up all your corpses. Mm-hmm. That's all I can do. Yeah. And Dalinar, like, rails at him for abandoning them. And the storm father's like, how dare you talk to your god that way? And Dalinar's like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> You're not my god. Yeah. You were never my god. Yeah. Ugh. You are a shadow. A lie. And this is, it reminds me of the, again, the conversation that Kaladin had with the Stormfather in the, in the rain saying, you will no longer ride the wind. You're done. Goodbye. You're out of the herd. Dalinar's getting the same flipping speech. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Back to the the war camp. Everything's fine. Here's Moash. Moash stepped forward, his face plate up. Hey, Kaladin. And Kaladin says, I had to choose what will help me sleep at night. You said he was trustworthy. Graves said, you promised me, Moash. <laughs> and Moash is like, he is! Moash thought Kaladin was on his side. Mm-hmm. And this moment, he realizes he's not and I'm having extreme Prince of Egypt feelings right now. <laughs> but that is not the fictional character to whom I connect Moash the most strongly. It's Zane from Young Jedi Knights. From Young Jedi Knights. That makes perfect sense. And that's why I love Moash is I'm 100% expecting this to be a Zane story. Mm-hmm. Oh, might take a while. <laughs> but you, you get it, right? That like... It's also Max and Michael from Roswell. I love that you're bringing Roswell into this. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Listen to our Roswell coverage. (laughs) Kaladin and Moash are best friends. Yes. We've been told that in this book. We weren't shown it as well as we could have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We got told not shown on that. Mm -hmm. But I believed them when they told me. Moash and Kaladin, best friends. Moash looked up to like. It took Moash so long to come around mm-hmm. because he needed a deeper bond of trust than the other Bridgman did, right? Yeah, he needed yeah. more before he could believe and trust in Kaladin. Mm-hmm. But then, once he did, he's 100% of Kaladin's side all the way. Yep. 
dedicated to him. And Kaladin even mentions that he's told Moash his whole backstory. Moash knows about Amaram. Moash knows about Tien. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are the best of friends. Yeah. Which is what makes this so sad. Yeah, because... This has been Moash's entire purpose in life is to get revenge for his family that were killed by, you know, the the corrupt, quote unquote, still corrupt, uh, crown. And for Kaladin to suddenly change his mind and say, just kidding, never mind, I don't want to do this. Yeah! In the heat of the moment is a, a big, big betrayal. And Moash is like... Listen, the king's already hurt. You're hurt. And Moash is, they're both trying to convince each other to stop. Yeah. And they've both point of no return. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad. Yeah. Uh, Moash is, like, Graves keeps trying to move forward, but Moash is like, wait, wait, wait. What do you think this will accomplish, Cal? If you get in our way, you'll just get yourself killed and the king will still be dead. You want me to know you don't agree with this? Fine. You tried. Now you're overmatched. There's no point in fighting. Put down the spear. It's like, do you even know Kaladin? You'd attack me, Kaladin said. Your captain, your friend. Don't turn this around on me. You didn't answer the question. Why not? Which is more important to you, me or petty vengeance? He murdered them, Kaladin. Sorry, petty vengeance? I'm sorry, Kaladin. Yeah. Um, If you got the he's, chance to hunt down the people who killed Tien. Yeah. Listen, he's, he's lots of blood loss. He's not working on all cylinders. Yep. It wasn't his fault. That's a load of... It wasn't his fault, Kaladin said disagree Mm -hmm. but then Kaladin says but I'd be here even if it had been we have to be better than this you and I it's I can't explain it not perfectly you have to trust me the back down the king hasn't seen you we'll go to Dalinar I'll see you get justice against the right man Rashon the only one truly behind it Mm -hmm. that is a great compromise that is fair yeah but and then he says we're not going to be this kind of man even in the middle of this very intense thing, he is looking out for his friend. He's like, the king doesn't know who you are. Like, the, the corridors are deserted. No one is here. Mm-hmm. We can still make this work, and you can still get what you want. Uh, final. If I kill a man, I'm going to do it in the sunlight, and I'm going to do it only because there is no other way. Uh, you wear white to kill a king because a man is entitled to see you coming. Oh, so interesting you mentioned Seth. Well, also, at one point, Kaladin says he's, oh, this would be a sad place to die, a place away from the wind. This is the same corridor where they fought Zeth before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Moash slams his faceplate down, the sides misting as it's sealed. And we're having a little visual symbolism here, <laughs> where Moash approaches him, faceplate up, it's not time to fight, face to face. And now when it's time to fight, Moash has to hide his face. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's where our reading stops. Yep. Okay, and so after after this, I will let you know, we're we're in the Sanderlanch. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you realize, but this is it. So how's the Moash Kaladin fight going to go? Because the helmet's down. Mm-hmm. I think Moash has made his decision. Mm-hmm. 
I think he's really going to hurt Kaladin. Oh, no. Not just emotionally. Yeah. I think physically. Oh, dear. And he knows. The thing is, this is going to be one of those, like, there is now a chasm between us, like in the land before time sort of a thing. Uh Uh-huh. Where he knows Kaladin doesn't have his Stormlight to heal him. So maybe he'll pull his punches at first. Mm Mm-hmm. But I really think Kaladin's going to walk away, like, severely injured. Oh, you think Kaladin's going to be able to walk after this? Because <laughs> he can't walk right now. He can't walk right now. Okay, but Kaladin will get dragged away from this seriously injured. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know Moash lives through it. I know Kaladin I'm can't sorry. kill him. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, listen, I think... I don't think I would have guessed Moash would have died in this. I don't think Kaladin has it in him to kill Moash. His, like... Mm-hmm only true friend even though they have very different views about what's going on oh they are yep uh all right out on the shattered plains Mm -hmm. if if shallan finds out what she's going like okay would like you to predict about what's happening with the shattered plains people with the shattered plains people i keep thinking aladar's got a okay i'm very cynical well it seems like Okay, no, no, no. I, I was going to say, what if Aladar betrays them like Sadius betrayed everybody else? But it seemed like Sadius was surprised as well when Aladar went out there. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if, like, Aladar kind of being, like, the last one to show up will have something to contribute to the battle besides just men. Okay. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that goes well. Um, Aladar was having a bit of a panic attack. Yeah, yeah. So, he's not having a good time. Yeah. But but he, he kind of pulled it together and was like, yes, Bright Lord. Like, yes, we will do this. Okay. and That then, was Aladar, right? That wasn't... Yep. Uh, what's... Adolin's won his plateau. How's mm-hmm. he doing? Um, Good. I think he's going to find something in the building. Okay. I don't know what, but I think he'll find something. <laughs> and then Shallan and Renarin? I think... What I would like to have happen, but I don't think will happen, is that Renarin will show up Shallan. All right. Somehow. And book two, are we going to get happy endings all around? No, I don't think so because of the Moash Kaladin thing. I think there will be a lot of emotional upsets. All right. Now, there's a big thing that I think you might have forgotten about. And I'm really excited for you to read this next chunk of chapters. Oh, no. What did I forget? Uh, Rayfo. Oh, no. All right. Well, we'll catch up with you guys at the live read. All right. Uh, and listeners, uh, Discord listeners, I will message you guys about this. We are going to live read this chapter to Emily in the Discord. Um, I don't know the date yet because I'm not sure when this episode is coming out but i will let you guys know we'll find a date we're not going to record live in the discord um but we will read for you guys uh the next couple chapters you know some really dull boring not much happens emily would you like to predict what boring pointless things will come in our next our next reading everyone decides fighting is stupid and they go home and everyone lives happily ever after oh and they eat chota yes stew yes and um, Alcar and Moash really get to talk things out. Yep. And we all plan the road trip to go find Rashon and kick him in the butt. Mm-hmm. And they find your theory and everything's fine and nothing bad ever happens ever again. We have like five different weddings. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's wonderful.
We'll look forward to that, <laughs> listeners. But uh, before that, let's let's go back to our heralds this week. Uh, we did the first one already. We did. For Glory Lit was Chichanarach and Nalen. And now 83 times Illusion. Uh, it's uh, Shalash. Uh-huh. Oh, and who's the who's the helmeted guy? Tom. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I think Tom is here because he's mentioned in the epigraph. Oh, they talk about... It might have been in an earlier chapter, but they talk about the red eyes out in the out on the plains, mm-hmm. looking like the Tom Scar. The, yeah, Tom Scar, the red stars in the sky. Yeah, I like that. And uh, also, I think Tom, the Stone Warden, is here because everybody's cutting rocks open. <laughs> and then Shalash is here. I would say as Shalon's namesake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Next week, listeners, we will read chapter eighty-four. The one who saves. All right. 85, swallowed by the sky. Ruh-roh. And 86, patterns of light. I put my bookmark in. Emily, thank you so much for coming to visit me. We got to take you to the airport. Yeah. Um, I can't wait till... We, we're going we're gonna to be in the same place at the same time again, I think, when we do the reading or the mm-hmm. recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. But, uh, Emily, we're so close to finishing this book. We are so close. <laughs> uh, until then, uh, I believe in you. I believe in you. Ready? Ready? Break! <laughs> <laughs>